Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Florida Gators podcast. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. As always, as for most of the time, at least, I I am joined by co-host Demetrius Harvey. I say that um, as an extension of this joke. Uh, He went on vacation a few months or a few weeks ago, I guess over a month ago, um, came back. I went on vacation to L.A. workcation for the Elite Eleven. Um, I've then been all over for recruiting stuff. Demetrius and I have both been to Atlanta, yada, yada, yada. What I'm trying to say is I'm sorry that we have not been here uh, these past, I think, two weeks now without a show, actually. That's on us. Uh, We'll definitely be back on a normal schedule here because uh, it is an exciting time. We're getting closer and closer to football. We got a lot of football and recruiting stuff to talk to you about what's happened in these past two weeks. And we're looking forward to getting into it. So thank you guys, as always, for sticking around despite our absence. With that, Demetrius, uh, it's, it's been a while, man. How you doing? Say what's up to the people. I'm doing all right. You're right. We've been kind of MIA, um, so to speak. A lot of it work, you know, some vacation. I went on vacation for a couple of weeks. We already know that. Our amazing uh, partner in crime, I guess you can call him, on allgators.com, Brandon Carroll, was able to come in for the times that I was absent and that was fantastic. So um, whenever me or Zach are absent and we want to record a podcast and Brandon can come in, it's going to be great regardless. So um, I'm happy you guys are still sticking with us. Sorry. uh, Like Zach said, for not having an episode up last week and then maybe even the week before, I don't remember, (laughs) but I think it was um, because it was, yeah. I guess this is, it was two weeks ago, Friday when we posted and it was when Marcus Stokes and Trayon Webb committed that day, Eugene Wilson was committing, as you guys would imagine. We'll talk about that because we missed that. But um, <laughs> it's a funny note. Like when we were doing the pods right up then, even when you were on vacation and we were scrambling or whatever, news was nonstop. I mean, especially from yeah. recruiting. We saw visits wrapping up and dominoes start to fall pretty dramatically. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, in these two weeks, we really haven't had a ton of news, news that we've uh, that we've not been able to cover. We'll get Wilson and some media day stuff, but then really we still can look towards the future at the end of this episode. So, um, yeah, but uh, first a word from our partners over at bet online, they continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news and sports developments, including major league baseball fighting, even next season's early NFL futures over at bet online uh, with training camp right around the corner. Bet online has opened up odds for team wins division futures, and even the Super Bowl at this point. Uh, so make sure to head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up for Bet Online today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just make sure to use the code BLEAV, believe, to get your bonus and get in on the action. Bet Online, where the game starts, please gamble responsibly, as Demetrius always says. He's a smart man for that. I never would have even thought to. You know, bet at your own risk for all I care, but do it responsibly. Please do. Let's get into this. Um, I believe we had said we would bet on more commitments coming when we did this ad teaser last time. And uh, a few hours later, Eugene Wilson, uh, Gaither wide receiver out of Tampa, Florida, uh, 2023, as expected, really, uh, since 
earlier in the spring, he did commit to Florida, giving them some badly, badly needed speed and shiftiness at receiver. He's unlike the receivers they currently have on the roster. And even in the class, uh, he's going to bring a different dynamic to the offense. Uh, he joins a class that includes Creed Whittemore and Tyree Patterson at wide receiver. And I don't think Florida's really done here either. I think they still have a couple more guys they'd want to get. And I could see a wide receiver class with five members. Uh, but right now, I think it's pretty clear Eugene Wilson is uh, at the top of the pecking order of the three they've got. No no slight to Creed or Tyree, but Tyree – or I'm sorry, um, Eugene, Eugene, he – like I said, he he brings something totally different to this offense and Demetrius – we know how badly they need it. <laughs> oh, my God, they've needed it for so long. And I think we've sort of talked about it plenty of times. I mean, definitely me and Zach have talked about it um, almost every time we, we meet up. But, you know, they've had a lot of, uh, for lack of better terms, like trees at at at, at receiver, you know, uh, almost tight end sort of players. And that can be a good thing. I mean, it'll help in the, in the red zone. It'll help, you know, over the middle of the field, possession type of guys. Um, guys who can beat the guy on, on on the outside, you know, out jump them, 50-50 balls, all that good stuff. Absolutely, they're a necessity to an offense, but you can't have them only have that type of receiver in an offense. And that's sort of where uh, the Gators have gone wrong over the past couple of years. Um, you know, the Dan Mullen and, and his staff, they just really didn't recruit very well after, you know, the big, um, I would say the big trio, you know, um, Jacob Copeland, or not, not Jacob Copeland. I'm so Van sorry. Jefferson. Van Jefferson. Uh, Grimes. I mean, yeah, Jacob Trayvon Copeland. And, Jacob Copeland but, was supposed to be that type of receiver. Right, so I get your right, point. Right. I mean, the, the the point is they sort of, you know, went in a different direction or they weren't able to go in the direction they should have. And it just seems like this, you know, staff has sort of prioritized more speed. Um, you saw that in the transfer portal getting uh, Parasol. You know, that guy is fast. I was reading. Um, some you know speed stats to to Zach and he actually posted something also that was more recent on his miles per hour and it was sort of you know eye-opening you know it's a guy that they needed and I think that Eugene Wilson sort of fits that bill as well guy who can get open in space you know play quick play fast and I think that that's only going to benefit them moving forward no doubt uh, and I'm looking forward to we're going to get into this much later in the show. Um, but FNL is this upcoming Friday, Friday night lights at Florida. Um, I think a lot of commits will end up being here in the state of Florida, the biggest recruiting event that UF hosts all year long. Um, and I have not seen, no, I take that back. I've seen Eugene Wilson, but it was before he emerged as a heavy Florida target. So I've not really watched him in depth yet. I would really hope that he makes the Friday night lights. I'm not sure if he is or isn't, but I'd assume he will. And I hope he runs routes with Marcus Stokes. Uh, if Stokes is there, he actually may not. Wow. I should get the list confirmed. That's on me. Um, we'll talk about guys okay. that might be coming to FNL, but ideally Wilson comes to that. Um, ideally maybe some other receivers they're targeting or having the class come to that as well. Um, who we will get into in a bit, but before we get to Friday night lights and the looking ahead stuff, we still have some stuff to look back on. And that is Demetrius and my trip to Atlanta this past week for SEC Media Days. Demetrius, if you um, and you can pick whatever, no, no filter. If okay. you had to pick a word to describe SEC Media Days for you, just from a work perspective, not including sure. the fun that we had afterwards with everyone, sure. What would that word be? Uh, if I had to pick one word, I just I think I would have to go with confusing, and and it's not necessarily on the fault of SEC Media Days entirely. It's just um, it was my first time being there, or both of our first time being there, and you sort of get in, 
and you're not really there's not really that many signs telling you where to go you sort of just congregate and meet up with people that you already know or have seen um you're not really sure what areas you are supposed to be in what areas you're not supposed to be in uh you weren't able to tell you know what rooms each uh coach would be in at what time they just told us you know billy napier is going to be on at one and then you know it was delayed a little bit and then he was there at one and then uh you know the the players were in an another room and then they came in afterward and it was just it was just confusing to say the least and maybe that was on me but no it it was just something no go ahead i mean i i completely agree with you for Mm -hmm. as a first time you know we have to weigh that but it was chaotic i get why they want to have this at the omni in atlanta next connected to the college football hall of fame because it's the sec and it just means more but there is no need for it to be at the omni i mean it's absurd like they we're sending us the wrong room number to go to for the local media sessions. And it was on like the sixth floor of the hotel in basically a hotel room. And then they had the main media room in the hall of fame. And then you'd have to walk back to the hotel after like it, you had to go back and forth. I probably walked between the buildings a good four or five times throughout the day just to get to my responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And it was all over the place. It was tough um, because our sessions were pretty short with, um, Napier and players to get one-on-one time and really get to ask the questions that we wanted. Um, and I think if you look around the beat as a whole, because we had quite a lot of Florida guys there, really not much relevant Florida news to come out of the weekend. Um, got some cool quotes. Got to talk to Anthony Richardson, um, where he told us about ignition reels. I believe that's not something that Florida fans are really privy to. It's not been reported on. Uh, but to me, it was the most noteworthy thing of Florida's entire session. Uh, Anthony Richardson is studying Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers as a part of his ignition reels in Florida's offseason program. Now that is part of their lesson plans. It's basically an install. Um, quarterbacks specifically do the lesson plans and they're learning progressions, reads, plays, basically offseason install with the offense. And Nate Beer has always had his players, specifically quarterbacks, watch pros do that are comparable in his eyes from a skill set perspective, strengths and weaknesses and whatnot, have them watch those guys learn how to play at an elite level because you have studied the elites doing it. Demetrius, I certainly think that Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen are elite pros. And I, again, Napier is not comparing them in the sense that he's saying Anthony Richardson is going to be Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen, maybe ever in his career, but certainly not right now. But you look at Josh Allen, it's a very good comparison. I mean, a 6'5 quarterback with one of the biggest arms you'll see in the game at their level, surprising mobility, elite mobility and athleticism for a player of their size. Allen, when he came out of college, uh, we all knew Mm -hmm. it. He had significant accuracy issues. I did not think he was going to make it as a pro because of them. And he has gotten better every single year. And that's where we want to see Richardson get better is accuracy, making reads, feeling comfortable under pressure. I think it's a genius idea. And I can't think of many better quarterbacks for a guy like Richardson to look up to. No, I mean, and and just like you said, when Josh Allen was coming out of Wyoming, he was not seen as a perfect prospect. In fact, I remember when he was drafted, I was like, I mean, this guy is going to be okay, but I, I never thought that he would be good. I'll be honest. Like his, his rookie season, I felt validated because he played so poorly. I was like, you know what? This guy uh, just doesn't have what it takes because it's so hard to get to that point um, as an NFL quarterback to go out and uh, elevate your game so much uh, when you're coming out of college. And now, 
you know, he definitely proved everybody wrong. I mean, he, he started out his career 52% passer. I mean, it was pretty much exactly yeah. the projection you would have had when he was coming out of Wyoming. So uh, to see his growth, but not only that, to see the traits that he has and how the Bills have effectively, you know, made their offense centered around just that. I think that that's something similar to what Billy Napier will try to do with Richardson and why he's having him look at a guy like Josh Allen, because the physical traits, when you look at Richardson are are there, he can throw the ball 73 yards without any sort of uh, pressure on him. You know, he, he's a fantastic, um, uh, you know, sideline to sideline guy who can actually, you know, make those sort of plays where, all of a sudden you're looking at third and 15 and you're not really worried about him being able to push the ball downfield. You know? And then he also can run, obviously. Um, same thing with Josh Allen. You know, he'll make some crazy throws on the run. He'll make some falling over throws. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers, the same type of player. Now, like you said, it doesn't mean that Richardson is going to be Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers ever in his life. Maybe he won't. But the traits are there to show a quarterback who can improvise a quarterback that can push the ball downfield, a quarterback who has the arm strength to make those sort of hash NFL throws. Um, I think that that's all there. And I think that that's exactly what they're trying to show Richardson to sort of emulate at least, you know, moving forward as they get rolling with this first season. Yeah. And Allen's obviously a stud, uh, but you know, Mm -hmm. only ever a second team all pro, which isn't really even a thing. They just have like the guys that came in second in voting. Um, so people might be a bit more bewildered when they see Rodgers. And again, same deal. Rodgers isn't as big. He's a great athlete, but he's not anything close to as fast or shifty as Allen or Richardson. Um, and if you factor in off field, you can question some of his leadership skills, but that's a topic for another day. Um, (laughs) on the field though, you won't find many more poised passers under pressure, um, whether it's literal pressure because your offensive line is getting wrecked or the pressure of, you know, need to make a big play right now. And again, mm-hmm. third and 15, I know you'll make this play because you're Aaron Rodgers and you have, you know, clutches in your genes. It's spelled out in your DNA. And from that perspective, from a mechanical perspective, because Rodgers has always been up to the top of like the cleanest mechanical and technical passers out there. Another one, who, who could you possibly want Richardson to watch to gain these skills than a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. I, I think it's it's perfect. I think that um the plan that Billy Napier has, you know, presented, and I know you you knew a lot more than maybe other people did because they didn't attend these camps and or or whatever they attended to get that knowledge. But it just really seems like Billy has, you know, at least started to implement all of those things that he talked about. And he's talked about how much growth Richardson has had. And I think that, you know, they talked about that at SEC media days where, you know, Garage went up there and said, you know, he's becoming a great leader. Richardson has owned all of his, you know, past transgressions and, and all that kind of stuff. He even said that he's going to stop doing backflips as much. Um, I think that he's clearly matured. I think that he's he's a guy who's coming in and actually has a plan for himself. But not only that, because, you know, this coaching staff actually has a plan for him. You know, last year I didn't feel like they had a plan for Richardson. I think that they sort of went all in on Emory, and even then they really couldn't because they had just changed their entire offense, you know, because of Trask in the previous season. So now uh, at least this new fresh staff comes in and they know what to do. They know how to do it. And I think that that's sort of the path they're moving forward with. Absolutely. And, and we've talked about it many times. I'll say it, any appearance I'm ever asked on when it comes to expectations for Florida's first season with Napier, 
He has tried to temper expectations. He has told you the roster is not in good shape, and he is trying to prepare fans for when they lose more games than fans expect a Florida coach to lose. He might come out and win and then you know, breathe a sigh of relief and people are happy, but he is telling you guys all this stuff, and he's doing the same with Richardson. He would get those questions at media days, and he made sure to let everyone know Dude has 220 snaps to his name in college. He has completed 33 passes. These first-round expectations are crazy, yada, yada, yada. But Napier's final quote when he was saying all this is, Mm -hmm. that all being said, I've seen this growth physically within our offense, mentally as a leader in in challenging other guys. And his final quote was, Anthony is primed for a phenomenal season, or I think Anthony is primed for a phenomenal season. So that is on record. A guy that likes to temper expectations is telling you we do have a quarterback. So Florida fans can uh, can rest assured <laughs> about that much at the very least. Um, yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. And, and I was just going to sort of like transition. This is nothing to do with Richardson. I don't even know if we want to talk about it yet, but uh, I thought it was interesting that Kirby Smart got up there. And I guess this is every year now. I'm talking about Florida, Georgia. You know, they they want to take it away from Jacksonville and, you know, maybe play in Atlanta or, you know, obviously play in Athens and sort of switch it back and forth. And I just always have thought that that was probably um, one of the, I, I don't want to call it dumb, but it just, it just doesn't make sense to me because I feel like Jacksonville has always been a premier spot for it. You get almost 50, 50 split and you're, you're, you're in there with pretty much no one has a home field advantage. It's really neutral, probably one of the more neutral, um, games in the country and yet here we are you know talking about again where perhaps this might change I don't know I just wanted to know your thoughts on it yeah I'm glad you transitioned because I, I was thinking too what else can we hit on from media days besides when we were sleeping um, <laughs> I think it's very funny that Kirby Smart complained as much as he did throughout media days as the reigning national champion head coach who had an extension in the works throughout the week that he signed the day after he was at the podium complaining about NIL and players making too much money. I think it's very, very funny that he has complaints about his lack of recruiting visits that stem from the Florida Georgia game being in Jacksonville. I get it. You want that type of game in your stadium. I know Florida would like that game in their stadium Mm -hmm. because they don't recruit like Georgia. But this is tradition. We're talking about college football and the traditions changing, and we're telling a lot of people to embrace change, right? NIL, transfer portal, coaches leaving, players leaving, all this type of stuff. And I get it's tough for people. And this is something different. This is actually – there is no sentimental value in a player leaving a school and a fan, you know, just coming at them on Twitter like you're dumb if you do that. You don't actually, you're not actually hurt by it. You're just looking for something to complain about because you're mm-hmm. a miserable human being. <laughs> this is different. This is something that grandparents are taking their grandchildren to every year because they've been going to this game in Jacksonville since they were in their 20s and in college. Yeah. It's totally different. It's again, like you said, the split stadium. One of the most unique things in all of sports, period. Not just Mm -hmm. college football, not football, not American sports. Sports across the globe. You don't see that type of stuff. So it's it's dumb to me. Mm -hmm. If they were to do it, I would get it because of the recruiting. But I think you need to feature Jacksonville in that. And if you're going to do it, maybe it's Jacksonville – 
Gainesville, Jacksonville, yeah. uh, Athens. Maybe you incorporate Atlanta, like you had said, Demetrius, when we were up mm-hmm. there, and do a four-city rotation. But you can't take the tradition out of this game. That's that's different. Yeah, it's it's just a complete non-starter for me. And maybe I'm a little like uh, emotionally attached to it because I'm from Jacksonville. And it was just, you know, obviously every year going to Florida, Georgia, or even not even going, just like having it in the city, seeing RV city, seeing all these people come in, seeing it on TV. You're just like, oh, my God, this is incredible. It was like the hallmark game of the season before the SEC championship to me. Um, So it's just been so special and it's so great. And I think that uh, taking it away now, I don't necessarily think it would um, hurt it would it would hurt that much because you, if you take it away, you could do the rotation and you could figure out a way to get the influx of cash in, into the city. But um, it just would just it would just be another thing that's changing college football tradition wise. Where you're like, what's going on? Like, what what is this game now? And um, Billy actually talked about it a little bit too, and I thought it was interesting. And and this is something that we're gonna have to you know come back to later down the line because he was asked about it and he gave a complete non-answer. Um, now, he might not view it that way, but that's how I read it because he said basically um, he hasn't done it yet. So he doesn't know. He's, you know, it's above his pay grade. He did yada, yada, yada. Whereas in the past, you know, guys like Dan Mullen and, and all those other coaches who had been in Florida, obviously, for a long time were like, no, we're not going to change it. We don't want to change it. So now it's a little bit different tone from the – Florida Gators head coach and so it's just something to think about moving forward um obviously this is not something that's going to happen this year or even next year like who knows when it would happen if it even would happen but um I just thought that was interesting that they brought it up for you know another year in a row certainly um any other interesting points from media days I mean like there's not there really wasn't anything right I mean (laughs) That's, we got that's quotes about Ricky Parasol. I mean, because sure. Anthony had yet to talk about him, but like there was just nothing really new. Yeah, I mean, it, and that's sort of how these sort of media day things go. It's sort of like the NFL Combine where you go, you're like, "Hey, coach, how are you doing?" Blah blah blah. What's going on this season? Um, there's really not nothing. There's really not anything new to talk about. Coaches aren't allowed to talk about specific recruits, so there's only a little bit you can talk about in terms of recruiting there. Um, I did thought I did think it was um, interesting to see you know Billy talk about the, the Utah game, and I'm going to write something about that on AllGators.com, um, where you know this is the the perfect game for them to um, have. You know, it's a formidable opponent. It's an opponent that they're uh, looking forward to, and it's a healthy game for this uh, roster to to get underway. Because I really do think it's a contest where you're really going to see uh, week one you're pretty much going to know almost how the season's going to go. Now, obviously, they can get better, they can get worse, but um, I think it's a real good benchmark already. You know, get it started on September 3rd, I believe it is, right? Or September 4th, yeah. 3rd. I'm saying it right now. I think Florida loses that game because of how big of a test it is. Obviously, there are a lot of factors that play into their favor. Um, but I'm not looking for them to win that game. I'm yeah. not panicking if they lose that game whatsoever. I want to see the fight. This is something I've mentioned on Radio Row. I've mentioned it in a lot of other interviews. If Florida goes six and six and seven and five this year, fans are going to want to cut off Billy Napier's head. I get it. <laughs> yeah. But let's say he loses three or four of those games in there Utah, Texas AM, Georgia, and you pick the fourth, but keep it in that range of being a formidable opponent, not a Vanderbilt, uh, not a. Yeah. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, like a Kentucky. Kentucky. Mm-hmm. 
they win those games or they lose them by like one score, a couple of points, and they end up six and six, seven and five range. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think you can be that upset because those one score games in the first year of a rebuild where the roster has been turned over on like we we're seeing it now because of the portal and coaching changes and it's happening this year, mm-hmm. but We've never seen roster turnover like we see right now at Florida and with LSU and Oklahoma and the schools that are making these changes. Like total adjustment, no chemistry between a lot of starters and depth pieces because they're just – it's so new. And if Florida's able to come out considering all those things and lose to Utah by four points, I'm not concerned. You lose to Georgia by a touchdown compared to what happened last year, it's it's fine. (laughs) You lose to AM on the road by one score, same type of deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think you sort of uh, nailed it there because if you if you were to have those close games last year, like if you were to take those games that they lost last year, make them close or whatever, maybe even flip a couple, um, completely different mindset. Obviously, Dan Mullen had a lot higher expectations than Billy Napier this year, but think about it. If you're able to replicate that, with a brand new head coach and then 34 new players is what Billy told us on on the media days. I mean, that that would just be incredible. I mean, and, and not to say it would be like out of this world, oh my God, praise Billy, but right, it would be losing. right. They're still losing, but at least you can say, okay, this year, you know, they went seven to five, they went six and six, whatever it is. And you know, you have that expectation next year, like, hey, they only lost to um, Kentucky by three. They only lost to Texas A&M by seven or ten. They only lost to Georgia by seven or ten. You know that that sort of mindset, and at least you can think, you know, all right, this is going to be a you know formidable year next year because that twenty twenty three recruiting class. I mean, I don't know about you, Zach. I expect it to be a lot better than what um, Dan Mullen and, and Co. could bring in over the past few years. Um, maybe it's not the highest expectations like Texas A&M or in Alabama, but you know what? It's going to be pretty solid. Um, when it's all said and done, in my opinion. So um, I, I just really think that if you only go in and you lose a few of those close games and it's um, a rocky season but nothing crazy, I, I think that's successful. Yeah, I, and I think this is a perfect way for us to transition to recruiting. Mm-hmm. But you look at – this is a point someone made to me the other day, and I've said it on a couple of appearances since then. You compare July 18th, 2018 – Dan Mullen's recruiting class to July 18th, 2022, Napier's first class. Both of their first classes at Florida, full classes, I should say. Someone had sent me an archive, so that's why that date is in particular. Mullen had seven commits, I think, maybe 10, but like four of them were four stars. Mm-hmm. Napier has 12 and 10 are four stars. So the whole depth building thing that we've talked about all offseason long on rebuilding, and it's going to be a long process – is well in the works right now for this roster to have bolstered depth by year two and a lot of guys that can contribute down the line, some of them even immediately, uh, just because the recruiting's getting better. You pair that with the idea that historically, like this is a study and I don't know the numbers specifically, but you're, you have all those first year games is one scores against better opponents. Like in a vacuum, you can tell, I could tell you right now, Kentucky has a better roster than Florida. It's just what it is. Maybe not the blue chip ratio, but the foundation they have, the chemistry they have, the talent at the top of the roster, I do think it's a better roster than Florida's right now. And they go in and they win that or lose that by two or three. Again, historically speaking, next year that is a win. Uh, same deal. Even though you're not playing Texas A&M next year, 
you lose that by seven, a similar opponent, or maybe even less than seven, a similar opponent to Texas A&M last year, Florida probably Mm -hmm. wins that game. You pair those two things, and it's exactly how this rebuild logically is going to go. It's what Napier's tried to tell everyone, and a lot of people don't want to hear it. Uh, But, I mean, the proof (laughs) is going to be in the pudding, or Napier won't be here, I guess. So it's – um. It's certainly something we'll have to circle back to throughout the season and uh, certainly next year. Uh, with that, again, it, um, it moves us into recruiting. Our final part of this episode, we circle back to it. Uh, FNL is this week. Uh, we are recording this on Saturday, July 23rd. If you, uh, <laughs> if you listen to our day. episode today, uh, you'd have expected possibly three Florida commits uh, today, and that's not happening. They're not going to, there's not going to be one. Nope. Uh, Derek LeBlanc was the original guy to push back and he is now on the 28th with his Osceola teammates. Not sure he's coming to Florida. Malik Bryant was supposed to happen today. And that is a battle Florida is in right now. They are, I'm willing to say it, the final two with Miami, even though he has a top four of Alabama and Maryland. Um, he was supposed to commit today. I was going to be in, or- I should be in Orlando right now writing about mm-hmm. what happened because it was supposed to be at five 30 and it's six 30. Mm-hmm. He postponed it. Uh, we were able to break that this morning. Uh, no clue as of right now when he's going to do it, but I've been told from sources around Bryant that it is not expected to be a drastic postponement. It could be the near future when we know a where he's going or b at least a new commitment date. Um, but so that's two. And then mm-hmm. Peyton Kirkland is committing an hour after we, uh, or an hour from right now while we record this. Mm-hmm. And I can confidently tell you, he's not coming to Florida. Um, there is the what? Interest has cooled on both sides. As many Florida fans are aware, this is information we are privy to as well. Uh, there will be a Florida hat at the table, I'm sure. And Peyton Kirkland's not going to pick it up. But yeah, that sums up our Saturday. Um, yeah. Demetrius, I think really the only relevant thing to discuss here out of those three is Bryant. Obviously big news that a lot of people are upset about. It's interesting to me though. I personally, last night, would have said that I think he's going to Florida. It wasn't a guarantee, not based on anything I know, just like I've been following this recruitment for a while, and I did think that there was a good chance he'd come. A lot of outsiders were trusting the recruiting prediction machines and the crystal balls that all said Miami, and they now think because he's pushed it back that that helps Florida. I don't know. Like, maybe, because uh, I my mm-hmm. intel is totally wrong, or it could be the other way around. Um, We've seen it on Twitter, too, that it's not just us that don't know what's going on at this point now. No one knows what's going on. Florida fans are saying this helps us. Miami fans are saying this helps us. Florida fans are telling Miami fans congrats on getting Malik Bryant and vice versa. A lot of fans are saying, hey, Alabama swooped in at the 11th hour as Nick Saban is oh so well known for doing. I might have even seen one fan say congrats to the Terrapins because they got their guy. Uh, That is uh, (laughs) Maryland is in Malik Bryant's top four. Um, so what's your take? I mean, obviously yeah. a lot of uncertainty, but uh, this is a, this is a tier one recruit for Florida this cycle. So obviously we have to psychoanalyze everything. I can see. Yeah. This is sort of how recruiting goes in my opinion. Um, and why I'm not as high on recruiting or no, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest recruiting fan ever, but, um, right. it, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because Malik, everybody sort of had, like you said, everybody sort of had Miami has that target. 
Um, they he was going to Miami. Florida fans were very depressed online, and you know because they're following it uh, probably even closer than me at times. Like in, in terms of how much you know information they share on their little message boards and things like that. Um, but yeah, it, it 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 I can see the logic though where they're thinking it's Miami, it's Miami, it's Miami. They're not privy to maybe something that anybody else would would have or you know or or your your gut or whatever you know they're they they don't know the the tides exactly so when it's supposed to be miami for so long and then all of a sudden on saturday or this morning this afternoon whenever it was um he says oh i've canceled the uh commitment ceremony i canceled the commitment party signing whatever he calls it um it's like oh well if it was supposed to be miami he's not committing today now after all something's changed um, that something would obviously lead to it being Florida. But if you play on the idea that it is Florida or it was supposed to be Florida and then he cancels, it's like, oh, did he change his mind back? Not to say he's changed his mind regard like any way, but that's sort of the leap in, in logic that you have to take where it's like, what causes a recruit to stop um, doing what they were going to do? Because the teams, the programs would want them to commit. Uh, the program, both Miami and Florida, would want him to commit right now, this second, so that they can just get the ball rolling and keep it going. Um, so, you know, when when he doesn't do it, it's like, uh, I don't know. So I guess we'll find out in a few days because, like you said, no one really knows what's going to happen. I saw someone was like, oh, my God, maybe it was the high school that, that did this. You know, there's just a lot of different things where people are, um, you know, guessing, and, and and I don't think that anybody actually knows. Anybody that tells you they know, today or at least right this hour um i think that they're lying so um, yeah i'm i've got a i've got people right around i almost said a source it's really multiple people around there because we've been we've been studying the orlando area so much this cycle particularly and they don't know what it is so like i know i am not the godfather of recruiting i am not the one the be all and end all reporter here but I'm not BSing you guys when I say, like, I would have a solid feel for this recruitment, and I genuinely don't know. So I would say, at least as of Saturday, the day that Malik canceled it, no one knows what Malik is truly thinking besides mm-hmm. Malik and his immediate circle as to why this happened. So something to follow. Um, we're going to get into FNL here, and I guess it goes without saying, if he were to be at FNL, you have to like it. It means one of two things. One, he is there checking out Florida in the one week span of July that in-person recruiting is allowed. He chose to come to Florida for that, and you would think maybe he'll commit on the spot. Who knows? That, or he's there because he is already committed. Maybe he commits mid-next week after figuring everything out, then comes to FNL. But bottom line is, and I don't know if he's coming. There's no plans. No one's talked to Malik. No one knows if he's coming to FNL or not, but if he's there, you do have to like where Florida stands. And I think that will apply to a lot of players that are either supposed to come or might end up showing up there. Yeah. I mean, I think that FNL has always been a place where they want things like that to happen, where if, if you get a recruit to go there, I mean, that's, that's literally what it's about. It's all players that are interested in Florida. There's no, there's news about Florida. Every single recruit that's there is there for Florida. I think that that's a special time. It's at night. It's under the lights. It's the first time some of these kids can even see it, you know, play in that stadium. It's pretty fun, actually, if if you're there. So I think that 
all of that sort of leads me to believe that, you know, multiple guys could come in and be like, hey, I want to go to Florida. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to commit, but like it's going to put it in their mind like this is the place I want to go. Um, and I think that that's sort of that special night that they have every year and they have a cookout or a barbecue the next day, I believe. So they continue to build that camaraderie and, and things like that. And um, yeah, if Malik Bryant goes to the um, FNO, I think that that's huge news for Florida because that's just yet another trip that he's going on uh, prior to his commitment. Most, most like, well, we don't know really, but you know, prior to his commitment maybe. And that's just something that they can use as more leverage or more, um, you know, more incentive for him to go. I think that that's um, a perfect sign that in my opinion, I would, I would bet the house at that point that he would be going, but uh, it's recruiting. <laughs> you never, <really> know. <laughs> you never bet the house in recruiting. Please do yeah. not ever do that. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm very curious to see who they can pull in from it because I would expect them to get commits from or around FNL regardless. I mean, Dan Mullen pulled in three commits last year. One of them was a silent at the time, EJ Lightsey, and he announced his commitment about a month later, but it happened at FNL. Raymond Cottrell, the 23 receiver who then flipped to Georgia before Mullen was fired, committed at FNL. Jarrett Gibson, the 24 IMG Academy running back who opened things up after Mullen was fired, but still Florida's up at the very top for him. Uh, we know this for a fact. He's obviously got a lot of time still. Um, but bottom line is three recruits, three different classes, all committed to Florida. And if we are, do believe that recruiting is better at Florida right now, you would think that they can match that at the very least this upcoming Friday or the Saturday at the cookout when players are mm-hmm. still in town as this is going on. When, again, this is a one-week window. And if players are coming to Florida for the weekend or for Friday, Saturday – unless they sneak something in on a Wednesday to another school, which I doubt they're doing as they prepare for fall camp to start at their high schools the next week. It's August 1st is the first day that can happen in the state of Florida as they're preparing for the school year. I don't think kids are going to take trips to numerous schools in that week. And if they're picking Florida, it's a great sign, Um, which makes me wonder, you know, who is it going to be? I mean, we know that, and I I will work on a list for this week. I've just been so scattered that it's been tough to compile well, we know some guys are coming. We know wide receiver Aiden Mizell is scheduled to announce his commitment that mm-hmm. day. Um, and he's long been considered a Florida lean, a double legacy. Yeah, both both of his parents ran track at Florida. So he might seem like the the layup of the group, so to speak. And maybe he comes to FNL right after. Maybe he commits at FNL. We don't know a time or location or anything for Mizell at this point. Uh, but but he seems like a guy that could, Florida could certainly use the momentum for um, or from a commitment around FNL. Mm-hmm. Um, the Osceola trio, the day before, that's the 28th. Now, I, I don't think all of them come here. In fact, I would think that right now it's most likely that one of the three come here. But whether it's one, whether it's two, somehow, miraculously, maybe it's three. As we've seen throughout the offseason, that trio has no problem coming to Florida. Uh, Derek LeBlanc, as we've made the joke, basically has an apartment on campus. John Walker and Jakeem uh, Jackson have both followed him up plenty of times. So when they, if any, if all of them commit, if one of them, whoever, I'd expect them to be there and also in the ears of some other guys. Um, I'm very curious if Cormani McLean makes it. He told us that he's thinking he will, but it was not solidified when we saw him at Future 50. If he makes it, does Florida, you know, just go all in on this weekend and say literally everyone that's here has a green light. You can commit, please. Let's do this. And obviously, Cormani is a different beast, you know, 
arguably the top player in the class, if not certainly in that top three range and not 19, like a certain outlet decided to rank him because they don't know how to analyze cornerbacks. Um, but <laughs> you could, but bottom line is, and I know I'm ranting here, um, mm-hmm. you can kind of, you know, reach for your wildest dreams at a time like Friday Night Lights. It is the marquee recruiting event for Florida of the year, every year. And we've seen the success with a lazy recruiter in Dan Mullen at Friday Night Lights. So I would expect Napier to at very least have a plan going in to capitalize on it. There's going to be a, a 24 quarterback. That is the number one quarterback on their board for that year in DJ Lagway. Uh, he's going to be here for a two-day visit um, going to the cookout as well. And who knows? Cause again, 24 quarterback, he's got time and he's got a lot of suitors, but again, reach for the stars. Yeah. It's, it's really the perfect time to do. It. I think you sort of nailed everything there. Um, especially because, you know, it's probably like you said, the last real, you know, unofficial visit that these players can take before they sort of want to settle down. I don't think anybody's really, no one's taking, you know, outside the state trips really after, you know, July 29th. I'm not really, like, I, I can't imagine that they would want to because of how much, more responsibilities they have for the upcoming season, not only for football, but in terms of school. So um, I think that this is a perfect time. And I think that the Gators have, you know, nailed it in terms of the timing of when they want to do this. And yeah, like, like you said, if a guy like McLean comes like that, that's amazing. That's huge. And that's something that they need to keep pushing for. And they need to keep um, making it a big deal. Like, Hey, this guy's here. Um, w- whatever they think, they want to do in terms of um, other outside players so it's just to have them come in and uh, not even necessarily commit just having them there helps a lot it help, helps them talk to other recruits everybody's sort of gathered in one spot we see these big you know visit days where there's like multiple multiple recruits there it's very rare to have all of the big time guys there so uh, the mm-hmm. more big time guys that they can have the better yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting last year was our first one covering because uh, as soon as we joined the beat, uh, was when COVID started, so they did not have that. But it was a blast. It's open to the public, um, so fans can come in and watch in the swamp. Or at least it has been in years past. I can't see why that would change now. Um, so it, as long as that's the case and it's a nice night out, I think that that could be one of the more fun events for Florida fans of the summer up there. I mean, obviously with the spring game, speaking tours and whatnot, I would say definitely stop on over if you have the opportunity. Say hi to me and Demetrius and the gang because we'll all be there scouting these guys and uh, – and getting this recruiting news that we know Florida fans oh so badly want, especially good news. Yes, at least until the season starts. Then we could just talk about football, and you guys will love that too. Sure thing. Um, any final notes? Anything? I mean, I guess we really didn't do a ton on FNL besides me ranting, but it's, again, <laughs> we, we have to work on getting the list done because um, Florida's actually kept this event solidly under wraps. I don't really think anyone has – guarantees on info at this point because they've not publicly advertised what you know time it starts registration we were confused in the summer if they were even going to have it but but we know that we know this much is that they are having it um so we just you know it's been kind of hard to put together a list or give anything super in-depth there at least until probably later this week yeah, there, there really hasn't been anything in uh, for a little while. We thought maybe they were just going to have a barbecue and no FNL. I mean, I know that there were some reporters asking recruits like, hey, are they having FNL? And, you know, we had to hear it from them. Um, so we'll see. Uh, who knows about a, a big list? I don't think that there's necessarily going to be a list that's handed out. 
um, before the actual event. Um, no, yeah, event. it would just it'd just be one we compile if we can do right. it. Right, it would just be something that you know Zach or I or you know Brandon or uh, Connor all get you know together and, and sort of compile it. And as soon as we have that, we'll probably post it on the website. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, stick around. Make sure to you know keep letting us know what you like of this show. Um, leave reviews, ratings, whatever we can do better. Please let us know so that next time we're here next week, maybe we're talking about Florida commitments and it's uh, as enjoyable of a show as possible. And, and you can find more content as Demetrius alluded to at allgators.com. In addition to the pod, we will write out every single storyline that comes of FNL in the next couple of weeks when Florida gets into fall camp over there at all Gators. I think that, does just about do it for us. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you guys for tuning in. Make sure to go check out our partners as well over at Bet Online and get that welcome bonus. Football season's almost here. It's not the same thing, but uh, I know my fantasy drafts are starting soon, so it's probably about time for people to start laying some bets down. Use our promo code BLEAV, believe, and you'll get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online. Uh, I'm Zach Goodall. Find me on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. Find Demetrius Harvey at Demetrius82. And we will catch you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.